Thank you for taking some time from your busy schedules to listen to Life Versus Work here on localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma. Life Versus Work tries to find that delicate balance between the responsibilities of work and maintaining a happy, healthy rest of your life. PhD Melanie Greenberg, a clinical and health psychologist in California, will be joining us to bring in some insight and expertise into the subject of burnout at work. Dr. Greenberg also writes a popular blog for Psychology Today, where I found her, and that blog is called The Mindful Self-Express. Thank you uh, for coming in to join us here from the West Coast, Dr. Greenberg. Thank you so much, Tim. I'm delighted to be here and look forward to spreading uh, the word about burnout, which is such a, a common and important problem, and how to deal with it. Definitely, I agree, and that's why uh, pleasure to have you on. I guess, first of all, just to give people an idea of, of where you're coming from, if you could give a little bit of information about yourself as far as what you do and, and your, uh, your area of expertise. Okay, I'm a practicing psychologist in Mill Valley in San Francisco, California, and I also do some coaching via Skype throughout the country. I'm an expert on mindfulness, chronic stress, trauma, life change, relationship stress and stress-related diseases. Basically, I do, I have a private practice where I do individual and couples therapy and life wellness and career coaching. And I'm also a blogger, a writer for Psychology Today, and I'm busy writing a book. And I've also do workshops for individuals and companies and psych associations. So have a lot going on. Yeah, definitely. Good. I mean, that's good. You kind of run the gamut of uh, all the areas that you can help. Um, I guess in terms of job burnout, obviously the subject we're talking about, I guess how would you define that term and especially its relationship to how people would normally you know, indicate as stress? So there are similarities, differences, at least from what I've seen, but how would you define job burnout itself? So stress is a normal part of life. And this is what people sometimes don't realize, that some stress can actually be healthy. Manageable stress can encourage us to stretch ourselves, develop new coping skills, gain a sense of mastery and competence. But burnout is something different. What burnout is, is that it's prolonged stress without a feeling of being effective. Without, I can give you an analogy. If you run a difficult race or a marathon, it can be very difficult and taxing on your body, but it can be also be stimulating and invigorating. You train for it, you, you have the level of competence, and you can do it. And then afterwards, you feel good about yourself, you recover, you have a sense of, of victory. But what if, there's, if you have a race with no finish line? You run, <laughs> you run, <laughs> you run, you get exhausted, the situation doesn't get any better, you're kind of like a, a mouse running on a wheel just going and going and going and nothing changes. No, no matter what you do, it doesn't make a difference. Sure. This can happen because the problems are too large, resources inadequate, or we, you, aren't, you don't have the skills for the job, you haven't been properly trained, or you, and you're not valued and appreciated for your work. That's burnout. So when people talk about burnout as opposed to maybe exhaustion or that, you know, some sort of level of just tiredness, fatigue, where do you, how do you find that difference or, or separate those two? Because a lot of people have brought up like, well, that sounds like me, but I, people just tell me I'm exhausted, I guess. How would you how would you differentiate those two? I think exhaustion is, is a quality of burnout. But just because you're exhausted doesn't mean you're burnt out. You could be exhausted and, you know, you can rest and then you'll feel better after a, a short weekend off or a vacation. I think burnout is when 
you have the weekend off or the vacation and you, it still doesn't help. Okay. Yeah. It's got additional qualities to it, like hopelessness or depression. Mm-hmm. It's the sense of you're inad- I'm inadequate. I can't make a difference. I'm not smart enough, strong enough. People don't care enough to give me the resources that I need to do this job. Whatever I do, nothing's going to make a difference. It's, it's that kind of a feeling. Sure. Well, I, I like that you touched on a couple of those things already, kind of the emotional or mental side of it. Uh, in terms of signs that people would maybe be looking for to you know maybe they're headed for that you know that ultimate burnout so to speak uh, what are they looking for what what should people kind of keep an eye on in terms of maybe physical signs or behavioral or even more emotional ones uh, as you've kind of mentioned i think there's a couple of different signs so physical might be things like chronic exhaustion you see a change in your motivation that you're just showing up, you're just going through the motions. You, you seem to not really care. You know, you're counting the minutes till you can clock out. You may have changes in your concentration. You know, you're talking to a customer or a patient or a colleague and you zone out. You just kind of, you're not, you're not there. Your mind go, keeps going other places or worrying. Mm-hmm. Um, you may start having stress-related illnesses, like keep getting sick with colds and viruses. You might feel like you have high blood pressure, asthma, those kinds of things. You might start putting on weight, not taking care of your health. Um, emotionally, you might be feel depressed, hopeless, cynical, angry, hostile, easily irritated. You might feel worrying all the time. And you might end up being you know, grumpy with your spouse and your kids, apathetic, that kind of stuff. So I think those are some examples. Reactive, sen- oversensitive. And when you look for those things, is that something where, especially if it seems out of the ordinary for somebody, and that kind of is along the exactly. same lines? Right. My next question, just asking about the role of maybe coworkers or managers as far as, you know, helping see these things. I mean, how much of a role can they play in terms of maybe, you know, helping stop it before it gets to a point of actual burnout? I think managers um, can play a huge role. I think co-workers can play a role by, you know, reaching out a helping hand, providing support, advice, showing they care, maybe stepping in to see how they could be of help, take on some extra responsibilities, coach the person. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely, yeah, it's to do with change. You know, that a person is who perhaps was a previously high-performing employee is not a high-performing anymore. Mm-hmm. That you, just, you see a definite change in this person's attitude, motivation, quality of their work. And also there's some intuition can play a role as well. You just sense there's something off about the person. They're not themselves. Sure. You see a drop in work quality, standards, carefulness. You also may have a sense that the person's not taking care of their health, eating too much, drinking too much. Sure. Not exercising, that, that kind of stuff. So they're, they're negative. They're more cynical. So then when you're talking about in the workplace, you know, specifically here, in terms of burnout, what – I mean, what are some of those work-related causes? I, I mean, some of the stuff that I remember seeing and doing a little research on it are the ideas of, um, you know, either being overwhelmed or on the other end of the spectrum, not feeling challenged at all, that even those things can lead to it. I guess what what are some of the, the things in the workplace that can actually lead to this idea of burnout? Yeah, you're, you're right. I think you've identified a couple of them. 
So, um, you know, one of them is the monotonous work, no creativity. You can imagine the production line worker that's, mm. you know, just putting a lid on a plastic bottle sure. all day. Yeah, I can't so, imagine doing that all day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you, you know, there's no meaning to your job, maybe no chance for advancement. You don't see where what you do fits into the total picture. Mm-hmm. Seems disconnected from the other people's. And from, you know, there's not like a mission that you can plug into that you feel a significant part of. There's no variety. There's no creativity. So that's that's kind of the one kind of burnout. The other one is to do more with um, high responsibility, low control. So you may think about the, the admi- it turns out actually the administrative assistant is more likely to be burnt out than the boss. <laughs> <laughs> and that can depend, of course, you know, if the boss is, is working for very taxing venture capitalists or something like that, or there's, um, there's also pressure on the boss. But in general, it's, it's when you don't have the control. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to deliver, but, it's, but there's, a, there's reasons you can't deliver that you can't change. So they found that uncontrollability is huge. Even in rats, they've done, they expose rats to shock and, uh, at random intervals. And then there's another group that are exposed to the same amount of shock, but they signal with a beep when the shock is coming. Mm-hmm. And the ones signaled with a beep don't get stomach ulcers. Hmm. The ones at random intervals do. Because when the beep, they, the rats can feel when the beep's not there, they can feel a sense of the safety signal so they can kind of have some recovery. Okay. Um, so, and there's also uncertainty. And also when things are constantly changing so that your, your skills aren't keeping up, your old strategies aren't working anymore. And that can be the case with a very changing work environment we have today with all the changes in technology. And I think the other part of it, if you work with highly traumatized, you know, very difficult populations, if you're not paid enough for your basic needs, then you can, you know, you, you, you also can't recover because they spend, when you're off work, you're worrying or you're trying to do other jobs or other things mm-hmm. to get, money and the other thing I wanted to mention was um, a possibility that can lead also if you've got no extensive travel frequent relocations kind of no common when your family gets completely stressed out or it tears up your family life okay doesn't have to lead to burnout but it can depending on your family reacts and resources and so on and I guess that would kind of leads us to the next idea or thought in terms of when somebody is experiencing burnout or they get to the point of burnout, what generally ends up happening? I mean, is that a situation where people really do just quit and it's it's because it is this feeling of hopelessness or is there a, a road to recovery kind of thing? What have you kind of seen or, or, or studied about what happens to these people that get to that point? Well, a lot of time people get some kind of a wake-up call. So they may end up drinking too much and get a DWI. They may end up getting sick, you know, be kind of putting on weight and getting diabetes would be an example, getting high blood pressure. Okay. Or they may, you know, their relationships, their their, their spouse may want to leave them. Um, So sometimes people get a wake-up call like that. You know, this is very significant um, effect in some area of their life. And then they may take more control of their lives, like go into therapy um, start an exercise program, go, you know, get some coaching feedback to try and make some changes in mm-hmm. their work life. Sometimes people quit. I mean, often if people could find another job, they 
would normally try to find another job before they get to that point. Okay. But sometimes people can't quit because they're waiting for their pension or they need the money or there's no other job available because of age discrimination. And then what people do sometimes is, you know, just hang in there, but kind of passive aggress, mm-hmm. apathetic. They, they talk bad about the company. They don't make the effort with the customers. And, you know, that, that can very negatively affect the bottom line of the company. Sure. So with talking about a lot of this, I guess the question that I had is, is this about perceiving how things are happening versus an actual reality? Now, obviously, if you're, if you can't keep up with certain work or, you know, um, maybe your boss is on you a lot physically, that obviously is, is what's happening. But in terms of maybe some of the things we perceive, uh, the idea I had down was you feel like you're not getting respect or you feel like your work isn't getting uh, recognized like it should. It, that may not be true, but that's true to you because you're feeling it. How much of that burnout happens because of what plays out in our mind versus what maybe is really happening? I think it can be I can be either or both. A lot of times I think it's both. It's bidirectional. You know, like the person feels exploited at work, doesn't trust the managers or feels bullied or feels they don't have the resources to do the job or they don't have, opportun- you know, opportunities mm. to get to a better position. So they can become resentful. And then, you know, sometimes they can start acting in a way that it makes other people react negatively to them and interferes with their success. So I think I think it can become a cycle of a bidirectional. You know, in the modern economy, there's some very real events that reduce workers' control. Sure. Murders, bankruptcies, outsourcing, layoffs, age and gender discrimination, corruption, and so, you know, and then people, the remaining workers have to do more work for less pay. There are real conditions provoking burnout, and I think that's why we're seeing, you know, classically high rates of worker dissatisfaction. Mm-hmm. But there also are personality traits that can make a person prone to it. Um, an example could be a ex- person who had a traumatic childhood or a series of disappointments in career or personal life might be, be more less able to handle stress, more reactive, more likely to personalize it. Less, less able to come up with a bunch of solutions. Sure. Um, other thing, other personality traits may be um, hostility, where you just, you know, you're suspicious of people, lack of conscientiousness, where, you know, it's just, it's, it's not your nature to be careful and conscientious. And so you make mistakes, get negative consequences. It's just, it's harder for you to sustain the self-control that many jobs require. And, and, um, takes more out of you another thing might be is narcissism or entitlement you know a person who's very concerned with being rewarded being being treated with high status being considered special Mm -hmm. when the working conditions are like they are today you know when nobody's is treated very special and you know you sometimes just have to kind of just take it those people are more likely to snap to get angry. So, you know, you touched on a little bit of the um, the personality traits and that idea. In terms of physical things that maybe people are are doing, you know, lifestyle-wise that might contribute to burnout, I mean, is it, I guess I don't know if it's a chicken or egg thing where you start to get to this point of burnout and so your habits change and they maybe bad habits form. What kind of things physically would maybe contribute to that idea of burnout? For example, something like a lack of sleep. Yeah, lack of sleep is a big one. I think there's more and more research showing that um, 
sleep affects your concentration and memory. It, it can affect your diet, your ability to have any kind of self-control. It affects your creativity. So I think you're touching on an important point, which is that burnout, you know, there's some people with these personality traits, but anybody can get burnt out, mm-hmm. even, you know, previously high, very high-performing leaders in, at all levels. And that's that would be sometimes because people drive themselves and don't replenish. So they kind of start, begin to treat themselves like a machine, just focused on results. And not really, you know, they just become very out of touch with their own needs, with their own body's needs. And they just so, they become so stressed out over reaching the goal, reaching the goal. And, um, you know, they may then start, you know, to not put any energy into their personal lives or their relationships. So those stop becoming supports for them. They don't look after their health. When you do that, the problem you're so focused only on results like that. The problem is you don't replenish, you don't have supports. So when you don't get the results, you can burn out very quickly. Mm-hmm. With that in mind, then obviously we're, we've been talking a lot about recognizing these things and maybe what what it brings about. In terms of general advice, and obviously every individual is different, but what what kind of advice would you have for for people? to help avoid actually the serious burnout at work, just maybe little things or big things that can help them prevent it before it gets to a point where, you know, who knows if they can recover. So a, a couple of different things. I think one is that is to, to begin by defining like your values. Why are you here? Why are you in this job? At what, you know, what are the sources of meaning that guide you? Mm-hmm. that make this job meaningful for you. And I mean, you can be a janitor and still do that. So it could be, you know, a value of service or a value of conscientiousness or, you know, you really like the organization you're working for and your colleagues and you want to contribute to them or you're trying to feed your family. But it's it's good to, most people don't really think, you know, and, and, and tune into these, but they're very important guides to behavior. And when you have that meaning, to to why you're here, what's important to you about the job. I think, first of all, it can sustain you when times are hard. Mm-hmm. Second of all, it can make you feel like your role is meaningful, even when the day-to-day stuff is, is boring or difficult. And third, um, it can help you make good decisions for yourself, such as when you know the, the work isn't giving you those sources of meaning anymore. And when you're clear about your mission, I think it, you can also you can help yourself and you can inspire other people. And you, if you're a leader, you can get other people on board with that. And, and, you know, that can be tremendously kind of gratifying. Another thing is a self-compassion, the idea of res- knowing your limits and respecting them. Uh, another thing is to make sure that you don't completely neglect your health and your family. Mm-hmm. Your family are there to sustain you and things are, you're going to go through times at work where everything's going wrong <laughs> and you, and your family can then give you that meaning and, and that, that support, make time for intimacy and romance. And then the other thing is the self-control, you know, to have healthy habits, regular habits, healthy habits, such as running or having an exercise program, eating well. Remember to look off. I guess look after yourself, treat yourself with respect and compassion, and treat other people the same way. Right. Then that's the supportive community around you. Meditation, some kind of a, a mindfulness. There's a lot of pra- um, practices like that that can also increase your your stress tolerance. 
And, you know, a lot of it comes down to, like, a lot of things you mentioned are individualized. Uh, but you did mention about family being able to help out. And uh, so, so we are talking about burnout at work. In what ways do you feel that, like, the employer can help out or even coworkers in some regards in terms of maybe it's not an individual person they're trying to help out, but just overall helping their employees avoid this type of burnout and, and really be more productive or at least as productive as they have been? So I think it's that positive focus that you articulate a mission. So from the, from the top of the organization down, that they articulate a mission that people can connect with and buy into, that the, the overall mission is clear, as well as the person's role in that mission, mm-hmm. you know, what we're about and then what you're doing and how that, that helps us do what, what we're doing better. So people can feel individually meaningful and valued as well as you know, knowing what the overall organization's about, something they want to do for the world that they can identify with. And then I think that that has to then come across in the behavior of leaders. They need to be transparent. They need to show by their behavior that they live according to values, the non-exploit, you know, not exploitative or not saying one thing and doing another thing that they're trustworthy, um, and that there's there's an, an atmosphere of openness where people can be vulnerable, they can make mistakes, and get help and support. In a lot of organizations, and the sort of the old model was so authoritarian that you were so punished for making a mistake that people were just, you know, go around not, basically just protecting themselves and sure. blocking change. And now we've realized that that doesn't work anymore. Right. So it's creating that overall atmosphere and also a more of a, an atmosphere so that, that your boss isn't there to just shout at you and catch you out and criticize you. But more that, you know, your boss is there to work together with you to help you grow and be the best person and worker you can be. And, um, you know, that may also include trying to figure out what skills, you know, if a person does fail, is it because they don't have the skills, um, providing opportunities for skills development. And so it's, it's more of a partnership kind of a model where people can feel safe, they can trust and they can invest themselves. I think that really goes a long way and provide, resources to the extent that you can and then also when you have employees that are engaged and committed in that way when you do have a hard time and require people to sacrifice people will because they trust you and they they trust the overall mission and I think that's a lot of important detail you gave in there just with the uh, the role other people play uh, in our lives when it comes to, I mean, happiness or, or downtimes, as, as you've mentioned. We are getting a little low on time, so I just wanted to try to touch on one last part, um, kind of in, in general, so to speak. In terms of this idea of burnout, uh, you know, there are going to be people that, that do get to that point, unfortunately, and not, not everybody's going to be able to avoid it. Uh, mm-hmm. But there, I'm sure there are also a lot of people that are you know, getting close to that point or, or they believe that they're there or just about there. So in general, maybe a few ideas um, that could help those people in those tough situations to feel a little bit better about themselves. And if they are even to that point of burnout, getting to a point of recovery, at least where they're not in that yet hopeless state that, that you talked about earlier. Right. And I think, you know, it's very important to, to look at your first step is awareness really just recognize that that there may be a problem here 
you know, it takes a lot of strength to know that you need help and to ask for help. Mm-hmm. That's the first step. That, that takes the most strength sometimes. Sometimes people just grit their teeth and keep going, and, and that's, you know, that's not the right when, they, when they're depressed or their health's failing. So, you know, knowing when you need help and then going to see a therapist, finding a coach, you know, starting a meditation practice, going to your doctor and starting a health plan. So I would say that's the first step is recognize the problem. Um, the second step is, is self-compassion. You know, be kind, try to, try to be kind and caring to yourself mm-hmm. rather than beating yourself up for having reached the state. Try to, you know, see that it, it wasn't just you that put you in the state, that about the, you know, the difficult circumstances you were facing, how hard you did try. Because beating up on yourself makes it worse, blaming yourself. And on the other hand, feeling like a victim, you know, that it's all the company's fault and sure. and a helpless victim, that doesn't help either. So it's really the middle ground where, you know, it's, it's not blaming and it's not um, externalizing, but it's looking for, you know, what can you do now? What can you change now? How can you be proactive? An important thing also is acceptance letting go of what you can't control, appreciating the difference that you do make, picking an area to focus on that you can be competent, and the this, this stuff in the organization on the, of the people's problems that you really can't control. So just breathe that away. Just allow yourself to let that go. Mm-hmm. Communicating with bosses and coworkers, letting them know, trying to be proactive in, in doing some restructuring that might mean moving to a different part of the organization asking for more support, try to, you know, be proactive in finding ways to restructure things that they might be work better for you. Sure. And then, you know, to find a way to find ways to relax out of work, create, you know, commune with nature, find ways to express yourself creatively, confide in people. I'd say those would be some, some good examples. Get feedback from coworkers. If you feel like what you're doing isn't working, try to find out why. Be open to changing and not don't take change as a failure, but as a, an opportunity for growth. Mm-hmm. So those would be some examples. Yeah, and I, you obviously give a lot of people the opportunity there to to try to find their way out of it. As you mentioned, a lot of it, it may come down to getting help and um, just hopefully they haven't gotten to that point where they really feel hopeless, where they feel like, you know, I just can't get out of this. So hopefully with the information you've given to us and uh, just making people more aware of what's going on around them, that'll, that'll help. Unfortunately, we have come to the end of our time on this subject, but we do encourage all of you to listen again here on Life Versus Work. Our expert guest today was psychologist Dr. Melanie Greenberg. Thank you once again for coming on the show, Dr. Greenberg. Thank you so much. And if you want to contact me, um, you can look in Psychology Today's expert page, or you can go to my blog, Marin Psychologist. M-A-R-I-N psychologist.blogspot.com. Thank you very much. We appreciate all the knowledge you dropped on us today. And for those listening, please feel free to send us an email at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com with any comments or suggestions for the show. Now for everyone here at localjobnetwork.com radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care. Take care.